0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey there, kids, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paletta, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as he always is, is... The smirking senior writer, Jonathan Strickland. Hey there! You're smirking at my opening my kids thing, right? Yeah, I, yeah, you know, I, I just was. thought I'd, be, I'd mix it up a little. It was. I never yeah. mix it up a little.
1: That's well, yeah, it's good to I'm humorless. That's true. That's true. Chris Killjoy Palette That's what we call him here in the office at <laughs> HowStuffWorks.com. Do.
0: It's sad. Yeah, I would find some humor in it, but I don't. Never mind.
1: Okay, well, it's better than Josh. Creepy Hands Clark. So, I mean, you know, we've all got our own little monikers. Uh, I won't go into mine because, you know, modesty forbids. But let's uh, start this off with a little listener mail. (laughs) This mail comes from Mark. Mark says, Dear Tech Stuff, thanks for a great podcast. I was wondering about how wireless home networks work when my dad was talking about upgrading ours and didn't know what the different network types were, such as wireless G and wireless N, and how networking new and not-so-new computers work and if it will cause any problems. I think it would be an interesting topic for a podcast because so many people have home networks now. Anyway, thanks again for the great podcast. Your seventh-grade fan, Mark. Well, Mark, we thought we'd talk a little bit about the different kinds of, uh, wireless networks out there. Uh, the ones that use the various standards set out by our good friends at the IEEE or as I always like to call them, IEEE.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, early, early, uh, networks were sort of like tin cans with the string between them. Yeah. This sort of makes the string virtual.
1: Yeah. There I'm, you go. That's all you needed to know. There you go. Well, no, thanks very much. There's no, there, I'm, oh, I'm we're gonna I get know. mail now. She's gonna get me. Oh, yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, we're talking about a, a set of standards that, in general, fall under the designation eight zero two point one one. Doesn't that easy?
0: Yeah. Well, it, it's it's the most. Those are the most common frequency uh, variations of wireless networking. Yes. Right.
1: So. The way you, uh, you'll see on things like routers and modems and stuff, you'll see this number followed by a letter and that tells you which of the specific sets of standards you're working with. Now you got to understand what?
0: Yeah, I was getting ready to correct myself. Oh, because I said frequency and that's not a frequency. No, no, no. It is just a designation. It
1: is a designation. Yes. So, so the IEEE, they, they work on various uh, designations for different um, networking solutions and with the 802.11, you have different working groups all working on different sets of standards to try and create the, uh, the most stable and reliable form of wireless networking. In this case, wireless networking. Um. And it's, it's a little confusing because you have all these different groups working on, working from the same basic set of standards, but they're all tweaking them in different ways to try and get different kinds of performance out of them. So let's try and go through some of these. It's really kind of complex, but, um. Yeah. One of the things to, uh, that's kind of
0: interesting about these different standards is, uh, as we start going through them, if we are going through them in alphabetical order, you will find that they do not necessarily uh, go start from the bottom up. Like, if we start with eight, uh, 802.11a, uh, this actually operates on the 5 gigahertz frequency mm-hmm. and uh, can uh, carry up to 54 megabits of data per second. Right. Uh, in contrast, 802.11b, you'd figure it'd be faster. No, actually, it's not. It operates at the two point four gigahertz frequency, and only can handle eleven megabits of data per second. Right, and that's just one of those things that makes it so confusing. Is you'd you'd figure there'd be a logical progression there, and there's not necessarily one.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what do you think? Should we go by just by letter, even though it's not logical progression necessarily, but just to make it easier to to move from one to the other?
0: Well, those two those two do fit well together because they were the first two. Uh, very common um, standards, right? At least in my experience.
1: Well, 802.11b uses uh, unregulated radio signal frequencies uh-huh. in the 2.4 gigahertz range. So uh, here's something. Here's some things about the 802.11b okay. set of standards. Sure, its signal range is is pretty good um, in the 2.4 gigahertz range, and it's not going to have problems with obstructions that some other frequencies do. So in other words, you might be able to use this kind of signal through walls, things like that. You don't have to worry about losing signal as soon as you turn a corner uh, from the source of the the frequency. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not very expensive. The range is pretty good. Um, But it's not a very – it's not very fast, as you pointed out. Yeah. You know, compared to 802.11a, it's, it's fairly slow. Um, and because it's an unregulated frequency, some other appliances that generate radio frequencies can cause interference within that wireless uh, frequency. Cause you have to remember the computer you're using, whatever, like if you have a wireless router that's broadcasting uh, Wi Fi on, this set of standards, if it's using unregulated radio frequencies, that means that it can fall within a wider range and that things that also generate radio frequencies within that range, when you're using your computer, your computer doesn't know which one of those, which of those signals are coming from your router and which are coming from other devices. So that's where you get your uh, your interference.
0: And if you're saying, what kind of interference could you possibly be talking about? Well, we're talking about things like your cordless phone in your house, for example, or, um, perhaps an alarm system where you have, uh, wireless, um, the devices that go above your windows and doors. Mm-hmm. If it, you know, it uses radio frequencies to talk to the main box, um, and, uh, baby monitors stuff like that uh those are all using you know those radio frequencies in those ranges yeah. and uh, of course you can you can buy cordless phones in a, in a, a, not to uh overuse that word range of different frequencies sure um so you could try to get to, to get around that but um that's one of those things that uh I, I think they've been trying to improve is is cut down on some of the interference and that's why um 802.11a uses the orthogonal frequency division multiplexing basically it's Say what uh, <laughs> it's just a system of splitting down that signal into a a group of sub
1: Gotcha. to kind of
0: make it uh less likely that you're going to be interfered with and it, it breaks it down so that it's not all in, in one uh one signal.
1: Right, so you're not going to you're not going to have the same interference issues. Um it's you shouldn't. And, and again, like we pointed out it is faster. 802.11a is faster than 802.11b, but it's also it's um range is shorter. Mm-hmm. It's not it doesn't go as far and because of the frequencies it uses, um, it's a little more easily obstructed. So you can't necessarily broadcast through several walls. If you have a large house and you've got a a, a wireless router in the middle, then you may notice that uh, as you move away, you start having problems getting a signal.
0: I also suggest that you don't make your walls out of lead.
1: Yeah, I – um never again. Yeah. Never again. I tell you one thing. You know what? You make your walls out of lead and you invite Superman over – The dude is just a total jerk face. The entire time.
0: (laughs) Well, he's just accustomed to be able to sing through everything.
1: Right, he's just standing around staring at the walls and just (laughs) mumbling curses. I can't even repeat the things that man says. Uh, He just, oh, what a mouth on that guy. At any rate um, – I, I had no idea that my
0: little joke would turn so awry.
1: No, but tell you what. Green Lantern is awesome. You get a few drinks in him. So uh, so uh yeah, 802.11a, okay. faster, shorter range. Also was more expensive. Uh, th- both A and B were being worked on at the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. B was – even though B was slower, it was less expensive and had a greater range. So it it caught on a lot faster than A did. Um, a was much more expensive. So you didn't really see that getting adopted in home networks as much. Uh, but that brings us up to 802.11 G.
0: Yes. We skipped a few letters and specifications.
1: Here. Yes. Um, not that you, I mean, you can, if you look up all these different numbers uh, along uh, with IE, you'll see that there are all these different working groups that are working on various projects that have different designations. But it gets way too complex to talk about all that, especially since it doesn't really relate to what we're talking about here with home networking. Right. So 802.11g.
0: Yeah, that was, a uh, A and B were popular together for a while. And yeah. then G was, uh, a, a good sized leap forward, I would say. Uh, yeah, I know, agree. And it's been the standard. Um, it, it's been widely adopted up until, uh, just recently, but we'll get into that in a moment. Um, 802.11g also uses the 2.4. 4 gigahertz spectrum, just yes. like 802.11b. Mm-hmm. However, it is much faster.
1: Bandwidth up to 54 megabits per second, as I, as I see before me. That's the figure I have. Yeah,
0: that's the number I have as well. Um,
1: so yeah, that's really fast uh, speed. And it's actually the, it has really much better range. Mm-hmm. It's not easily obstructed, so it's it's kind of taking the best of both worlds here. Yeah, yeah it's it got is. the range and and uh, and the penetration of eight hundred two point eleven B and the speed and um and and uh, uh, well, really just the speed of eight hundred two point eleven A. Um, but it it was a little it's a little more expensive, or at least it was more expensive than eight hundred two point eleven B. It took a while for that to kind of become the standard in home networks, but that did become the standard after shortly after it was introduced. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, so you would look on routers and you would see if it, you know, which, which standards it was uh, compatible with and 802.11g became more and more common. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, again, had another problem with the fact that it had the unregulated signal, just like 802.11b did. So, Again, there were there was at least the potential for signals to have some interference issues if you had a lot of other wireless uh, technologies running in the house, a lot of kids running around on walkie talkies, or, you know, over. Exactly. I'm. I'll never be over it. <laughs> I'm never over kids over at my house. Yeah. on Walkie talkies. That is just the most distracting thing in the world. Because
0: especially because you don't have kids. Yeah. That. It's I, like, I, who I'm are, are like, you people? How did
1: you get into my house? Yeah. Did Superman let you in? Has he not gotten over the lead walls thing yet? You know. Does that bring us up to 802.11n?
0: Yes. And up until uh, very, very recently, this was not an approved standard. However, um, you know, I have seen from looking at the uh, Wi-Fi Alliance's website um, that uh, 802.11n is actually uh, an accepted specification at this time, Mm -hmm. um, which was supposed to happen this year. So, uh, you know, that – those of you who are going, yeah, okay. So where's the surprise in that? No, that's that's uh, that's right on time. They're supposed to do that this year. Um, and uh, uh, basically, you're supposed to be able to get a lot better range with 802.11n and um, speed, and speed for that matter. Um, that was one of the things when I got um, I got a new wireless uh, access point um, a few months ago and it had a a proposed 802.11n specification in it um you know since i am sitting right next to or almost right next to the uh the access point uh i find the range is great
1: <laughs> yeah
0: but uh yeah it's funny before, well, if it's, you
1: are right next to it as if you could actually plug your device into it with a physical wire and how great the range is details
0: details actually um when i was uh, down in the hall i actually moved the computer since then um no it was it, it was giving me a much better range than the old one so um so you know it was it was an improvement, um, but yeah, the eight hundred two dot eleven n is supposed to get you up to one hundred forty megabits per second, which is pretty speedy. Yeah, that's considering I can't even get my uh, my uh, DSL connection near that fast.
1: Right. So you were asking uh, Mark about the difficulties in networking if you have different machines running on different. Uh, that require different standards. Yes, that will be a problem because, uh, you have to have the right It's it's like an antenna. You have to have the right kind of antenna to pick up the right kind of frequency. Yeah. And,
0: um, it sort of depends on what kind of card you have. Sorry to interrupt.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh,
0: you, you need to have, uh, something that will receive these signals in your computer. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you can get cards that are built right in and there are also, uh, different kinds of cards that you can add on. An aftermarket, depending on what kind of computer you have. Yeah. Um,
1: and many of these cards can actually accept more than one standard. Like they'll, they'll say it'll be, you know, you'll see like a B slash N or something like that or N slash G or...
0: Yeah, it, chances are, actually, if you go out and buy whatever off the shelf now, it's going to be N compatible and backwards compatible with the, the other three yeah. standards.
1: Which is great. I mean, if you don't have those compatible ones, then obviously if you were to get, if you were to have an old... 802.11g wireless card in a laptop, and you got an 802.11n router. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah, you're not going to be able to access those faster speeds because you're limited by. It's kind of the the weakest link in the in the chain kind of thing. Yeah, um, you're you're limited by whatever your your least fast device is going to be. And uh, that in that chain from router to computer. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it can cause a little issue. It's not, not as bad as you might think because most things that are, most of routers and modems that have been sold in the, the last few years have really kind of ironed out a lot of the compatibility issues. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, again, it's kind of confusing because the standards do evolve over time and, uh, the group is always working on different projects that mean that, you know, within another five or six years, we may see something different. And not only that, but we have other networking technologies that also come into play that uh, can be a little confusing. There's Bluetooth. Actually, it's funny you mentioned that. Well, I was getting ready to mention. Oh, too. please do. Um, there are a couple
0: different standards of Bluetooth technology. Now, Bluetooth um, – in general, has a shorter uh, distance that you can use yeah, it with. a smaller range, yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yes. Thank you for fixing that. No worries. Um,
1: hey, who's the editor
0: here? Yeah, well, that would be me. <laughs> um, except when I'm talking. This is why I edit. Yeah, um, yeah it uh, actually operates on a frequency of 2.45 gigahertz. Uh, generally between 2.402 and 2.480 if you're... You know, splitting hairs.
1: For those of you taking notes.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you can, you know, connect up to, uh, eight devices. Um, you find, I don't think a lot of people use Bluetooth to connect a lot of devices to their computer, except maybe like a wireless keyboard or mouse.
1: Maybe. Maybe. A maybe or,
0: or, yeah, maybe a printer. Uh, sometimes your phone. I had a phone that used Bluetooth and I could drag and drop files over. Like if I wanted to change ringtones, I yeah. could make an MP3 and, and, you know, connect with it. The, the promise
1: way. of Bluetooth is really really cool in the sense that you can have this personal area network yeah. and you know you the network would constantly be changing depending on what devices you brought within the the scope of that network. So you could bring two devices together and it creates one network. You bring those two devices toward a third device and you've got a new network. You take one device away. You I mean it, it's a really flexible uh and and uh, dynamic system. It's really, really cool. I don't think anyone uses it to the, to its potential. Yeah. I mean, I I don't, no one I know of uses Bluetooth. Like the, the people who use Bluetooth that I know are using the very, very basic. So it's normally the the headset and the, and the phone, the handset. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. Or some of them are using some sort of handset and a car, Mm -hmm. like the car that's Bluetooth enabled so that the handset syncs with the car and they can listen to music. Or they can use a, a GPS system, something like that, where uh, – or even use the car's sound system for a uh, – um, if they're taking on calls or things of that nature. But again, it's still – you're talking about a two-device maximum there as opposed yeah. to what the real potential for Bluetooth is.
0: I know somebody else is going to write in too now that I think about it. Uh, another device that you might see people use with their uh, Bluetooth-enabled computer would be a set of headphones. Yeah. that That's pretty common That's too. true. That's uh-huh. true. That so, is
1: another common one. Yeah. Um. And another thing, we were another kind of uh, wireless standard. I was going to talk about was WiMAX. Yep, yep. So WiMAX and Wi-Fi are two different things. They are not the. You often will see the media re- reference WiMAX as saying something like Wi-Fi on steroids, which is that's, I mean that's an oversimplification. Yeah, it's definitely an oversimplification. Yes, WiMAX has a greater range than Wi-Fi mm-hmm. standards. Yeah, because
0: uh, it can reach up to uh, thirty miles, I believe, right? Something like that. somewhere around. And,
1: there. And so WiMAX has a much larger range and yes, you can get very fast uh downlink and uplink speeds on WiMAX, or relatively fast anyway. About,
0: about seventy megabits per second.
1: So yeah, that's pretty fast. I mean it's still not as fast as you know eight oh two point eleven uh Yes,
0: but you're not going to get an 802.11n much past, I don't know, like the street in front of your house. Yeah,
1: you're not going (laughs) to – that's the other thing is that when we talk about these speeds, we're talking about the maximum that those devices are capable of generating. That doesn't necessarily mean that's the speed you will experience. You will experience it based upon what your ISP provides to you.
0: Yeah, actually when I was saying a few minutes ago that my uh, DSL struggles to reach 1.5 megabit per second, you know, I have a uh my router now is an eight oh two dot eleven N. I'm never gonna see anything faster than one point five megabits per second because yeah. that's as fast as it's gonna go. Now if I connect with another computer uh, if I have, you know, say my music library on one computer, I want to move it to another, I can move it at that speed. Right. Uh, provided my the so, cards in both computers will reach that speed. So
1: data transfers within your network will go at, at the the ideal speed. Right. But right. data coming into or moving out of your network to the outside world, the internet, yeah. is going to move at whatever yeah. speed the internet service provider has designated or what your t- uh, current technology is capable of delivering. Yeah, so
0: the slowest point of connection in this case would be my you know, pipe to the outside world yeah. and, and everything else is regulated by
1: that. Right. Everything inside, super fast. Everything outside, not so fast. Still fast, just not nearly as fast. Yes, we, if- we, we sit there and think about how slow this is, but then we'd sit there and like, hey, do you remember that? Those baud modems. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so it's very fast compared to dial-up modems. But anyway, so so WiMAX. Getting back to WiMAX. Yes. Um. Yeah, it's a totally different set of standards. Uh, Eight hundred
0: two point one six.
1: I like to I like to describe WiMAX the way I try to describe it to someone, uh, in how it works. If you If you want to try and visualize it with an analogy, mm-hmm. is imagine a big circular building that has uh a set number of doors along the perimeter of the building so we'll say 40 mm-hmm. there are 40 doors that are along the perimeter of the building that means that 40 people can walk in and out of that building carrying stuff in and taking stuff out so mm-hmm. those 40 people that would be people connecting to the Ymax tower to, to get data so right. so home networks necessary pretty much okay um and after the after those 40 doors are, are taken up by the various people that's it It's not going to accept any more people on that tower, which means that every single person is going to still get the uh, the speeds that they were promised. Right. You know, there's no choking because there's no bottleneck there because the tower has cut off the number of people who can connect to it. Wi-Fi is different. Wi-Fi, people just keep piling in and out. There's like one big set of doors, and everyone is trying to get in and out of that set of doors at the same time. So the more people are trying to access a Wi-Fi spot, the slower you're going to experience – the slower the data rates will be, the slower the data Mm -hmm. transfer rates will be. That makes sense. Um, Because it it does not limit the number like WiMAX does. So it's a different approach really. Um, And WiMAX, of course, is just one of the 4G solutions that we're looking at in the – in, in the future, there are others as well,
0: such as LTE, which yeah. is Long Term Evolution. Yes. Looks it looks like those two are going to be fighting it out to be the the 4G standard, depending on on whom you ask and
1: yeah, where uh, you live
0: and uh, what what uh, company you happen to be working for that is backing which standard at the right. time. Here in
1: Atlanta, we're actually seeing WiMAX now. Um, yep, and a few other cities in the United States also have WiMAX now, and more are expected to get it within uh, the next year
0: yeah but LTE is on its way i'm i'm pretty sure yeah and that's
1: also that's also being uh giving the uh the fast track in development
0: mm-hmm. i do want to clarify though just to make certain that everyone understands that um if you have a wi-fi card 802.11 a b g or n um those may or may not be compatible with you know a a particular uh card or you know a uh, plug in for your computer, but Bluetooth and Wimax are going to require their own separate thing they're yeah. not they're not related. You can't get one card as far as I know. you can't get one card that will get all of those frequencies you know in one thing that you can plug into your machine. you're right, looking right. at probably three yeah, um, you know,
1: although I guess you could argue that WiMAX could replace. Wi-Fi, except unless you're actually, well, if you're doing home networking stuff, if you're trying to actually transfer data between machines in your home network, then you will need something. Because WiMAX, it's it's reporting back to the internet service provider. It's not it's not a home networking solution. Well, okay,
0: well, that's actually a good point because um, the, the particular WiMAX provider that is advertising in the Atlanta area shows off that you can have your laptop with you and Get access anywhere. You could be on the bus. You could be, you know, at a sidewalk cafe. You could be at your home and you're still going to get your WiMAX speed. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great. However, if you're using basically what they're showing off is a, as a, a a dongle type card modem thing. Yes. Um, that's the scientific term for it.
1: Yes. The dongle type modem card thing. Yes. Yes. I think it's on the box.
0: Okay, okay. So, anyway, you plug the thing in the side of your computer and you can go and you can go anywhere. What happens if you go home and you want to hook up say your spouse's computer? Oh, well, now she you're kind of
1: need the internet. <laughs> well, Woman, see, that's what the What is she going to do with it? Okay.
0: okay. So then you're stuck. That's no no more home networking if all you have is that one type of uh, you know, connectivity. Uh, you know, they offer this the WiMax provider also offers a home modem. And then you could plug that into a Wi-Fi connection. But if you want to get, you know, the WiMAX all around town, you're going to have to have the portable, uh, yeah, so it, that's, that's a difference. It does have, it you does. You might actually have a WiMAX and a Wi-Fi.
1: Well, yeah, they, they yeah, that's true. House. That's true. I've seen, I've seen the packages I've seen usually involve you can get one of each. You can get one that's the home solution where you, you hook that up to your router. So, but you have
0: to buy both of them.
1: Yes. But but it's there's some that's uh, like a package deal, though. So you're getting a discount you're, as opposed to if you were buying each separately. They just function um, differently is all. Yes, yes. So, yes, you would still have to have your wireless router, uh, mm-hmm. which would that's working on the Wi-Fi. If you
0: want to hook up all your computers.
1: Yes, exactly, in, within your home. And then you would have the WiMAX dongle for whichever computer you have designated as the the main one whenever you're heading outside the house and you want to be able to – hooked directly to your ISP. The nice thing about that is you don't have to pay for any other like Wi-Fi services, any hotspots or anything like that. And you don't have to to depend upon, no, yeah, because with the WiMAX, yeah, you're connecting right to the WiMAX thing, tower, not not to Wi-Fi networks. Mm -hmm. And so I know that's a big problem for us, uh, us being me and my wife. Uh, We, when we're traveling around uh, town, We have to hope that wherever we're going has a Wi-Fi network and that that hopefully it's a Wi-Fi network where we don't have to pay extra to get attached to it. Because when you're already paying uh, an internet service provider to get access to the internet, you kind of hate the thought of having to pay again. Because you're like, if we were home, we could access this based on our plan. We wouldn't have to pay extra. So, yeah, we get a little… Miffed? Yeah. Mightily miffed. Well, Great then. was the miffage thereof. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that, uh, that pretty much covers the whole Wi-Fi angle.
0: Yeah. I'm sure we've confused everyone by now.
1: Right? I, I'm, I know I'm more confused than when we started. So good job. Awesome. Um, well, you know, I guess that means that it's time to wrap things up with a little, a listener mail. This listener mail comes from Casey. Hey guys, I love the podcast. I had a quick question for you. I've heard that Mac and Linux operating systems don't get viruses like Windows computers do. As far as I can tell, I haven't even heard of a virus protection software for my leopard running operating system. Is this because the Unix base that Mac and Linux were built on is less susceptible or because Windows is a little easier to target because of how mainstream their operating system is? Keep up the good work and I would love to hear the answer to this sometime. Okay, see, first of all, let's let's address a couple things. Uh, Linux does not have a Unix base. <laughs> no, technically it does not. <laughs> it is, it was inspired. Linux was inspired by Unix. Or rather, we should say Linus was inspired by Unix. Actually, he was inspired by, um. Minix. Uh, Minix, which in turn was a, a kind of open source alternative to Unix. Yes. So you have Unix, you had the open source alternative to Unix called Minix, you had Linus Torvalds, who was then inspired by Minix to create Linux. So, uh, let's get that out of the way. Um, As for, are they just naturally less susceptible? Not technically. I mean, they're, it's, it's more challenging to create the, uh, something that exploits a vulnerability in Linux or Mac because you've got, uh, with, in the case of Linux, you've got a a community that is dedicated to finding these things out and fixing them before they become problems. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means it's more challenging because you've, you know, you've got, the entire worldwide Linux community working on this stuff, Um, even though there are various distributions and each distribution is slightly different from each other distribution. Mac, you've got a closed system, which is harder to get into and learn how that works because Apple controls the whole Mac uh, situation from the hardware to the operating system. Uh, Even so, it is possible to create uh, programs that exploit vulnerabilities. We've seen that both in Macs And in Linux systems, Uh, recently, we've seen some that went as that that even exploited vulnerabilities or could exploit a vulnerability within the Linux kernel itself. Um, That doesn't mean that they're as vulnerable as a Windows system. Your question of is Windows more vulnerable because it's more popular in a way? Yes,
0: it's certainly more popular with hackers.
1: For one thing, I mean, it's it's more accessible. Uh, also, more people are using Windows, so therefore your target is – you've got a, a target-rich environment is what our friends in the military would call it. Yes, uh-huh. it's, It means that if you do write some malicious software, you're going to hit way more victims if you do it for Windows than you're going to hit if you use it for Mac or Linux just because there are more people using Windows out there than the alternatives. Mm-hmm. But if you look at some of the vulnerabilities that exploit server software, that's all Linux-based stuff. Yeah. I mean almost all of it. Not not all of it. Don't write me. I know not all of it, but a great deal of it. So uh, it is possible, it's just not as common.
0: Yeah, and there are uh, there are a couple of security providers who have written uh Mac virus software and has been out for many many years now. Um Actually, uh,
1: actually I think Snow Leopard came with some antivirus in under the hood.
0: Uh yeah, it's it's sort of invisible. Yeah, actually, so, so uh, it's not actually, not like I've actually noticed it. Let me put yeah, it that way. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, and and the one the one I would say that is arguable arguably the largest um, is a company called Intego and they're the ones who always draw attention to uh, vulnerabilities when they are pointed out, and um, they usually get sort of picked on. Uh, in and. and uh, some of the stuff that I've read because they go, oh yeah, well you guys are the ones writing the software. Of course, that's what happens when Symantec or or uh, McAfee also points out that there are vulnerabilities out there. I mean, they have a vested interest in keeping that um, in mind. But a yeah. lot of in a lot of cases too, the uh, the Mac stuff scans for Windows. Uh, um, malware as well, which is useful if you're running an Intel Mac and happen to be running and and happen to have an installation of Windows and the Mac operating system on your Mac.
1: you dual booted.
0: Um, So, you know, it it can be handy. But a lot of people in the Mac world still uh, believe that their position is very secure and uh, do not use uh, antivirus software.
1: Right. Now, that does not mean if you have a Mac or Linux machine that you should go clicking on every single link and, and installing every single application you come across because, you never know when that, that vulnerability will be discovered and exploited. Uh, here's the tricky thing about hackers who find vulnerabilities. Some of them don't make it, uh, public knowledge. And so it may be, you know, that it's constantly a game of let's catch up to what the hackers know and, uh, and then patch it. So just be careful. Uh, yeah, Max and Linux. Machines aren't going to experience them as often as Windows are, uh, just in general, but it's, it's not outside the realm of possibility.
0: i just like to throw this one last thing out there. Um, for everybody who is using any kind of computer on any kind of operating system, keep in mind there are vulnerabilities in the operating system and, uh, security software patch is, is there to protect you from malware that has been discovered. Yeah, but as long as there is a vulnerability you from
1: anything that hasn't been discovered That's
0: right as long as there is a vulnerability and someone is there to exploit it and nobody knows about it yet So it's best to keep up your guard and pay attention to what you're doing. That is the best security procedure you can have.
1: Wise words to live by from Tech Stuff. (laughs) Thanks, Casey. If any of you have any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions for podcasts, please write us. We love getting the mail. I know that I've been a little slow answering mail recently, but uh, we do read each and every single email that comes in. You can email us. Our address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. And Crispy and I will talk to you again really soon.
0: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new Tech Stuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?